0: I, one of the one of the best compliments I've ever gotten, I got from Dante. And Dante doesn't throw out a lot of compliments. No. But it was a kind of an offhanded one. He said that if there was anybody on the internet that I did not want to go up against, it would be <laughs> scary. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, if he'd have typed that, I'd have framed it. <laughs> Speaking of which,
1: Dante sent me this today. Check this out. I'll take a screen cap of it. Um, it's kind of kind of cool information from Mr. Dr. Brad Schoenfeld. So I guess that the whole thing, it, what is it? New study shows that consuming a hundred gram dose of milk protein after a total body resistance training program had a greater anabolic effect than consuming 25 gram dose and that the anabolic response to protein ingestion has no apparent upper limit in magnitude and duration in humans. Remember everybody always said you could only handle 25 grams per whatever, two hours or something like that?
0: Yeah, Nate doesn't remember that because he'd have been like, four <laughs> but, but yeah that goes it's funny because brad see brad thinks he's brilliant and he's a genius but i have been doubling protein intake for that meal post-workout brad get with really just get with the program Come on. he's
1: just telling you everybody else yeah, that you've been doing I, it right all along Yeah,
0: I, i'm teasing but it is it's always good to do when you do something and then later something else or someone else that you have mad respect for backs it up. Yeah, well, because you know me I don't know anything about studies and I don't look into them much at all so that, that's it's always good to hear. Well that's like
1: obviously that. what Dante was saying too you know what I mean like Dante is like these are the things that I've been saying for 20 years now and now they have science it, it took science 20 years to catch up basically.
2: Yeah, Pretty much Skip has been doing traditional bodybuilding whatever you think is the limit you just double it and that's bodybuilding.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean it seems completely <laughs> logical right and I go against I've said this in bodybuilding we do always do more yeah we always do more we Compensate on the but but on this one it's okay because I found out that I'm right.
1: <laughs> yeah. What's up guys? Welcome back to Blood Sweat and Gear. You're with coaches Skip Hill. And Nate Spear, IFBB Pro, coach himself, and me, Scott McNally, also a coach. People think that I'm just a <laughs> – you like that intro, Skip? People think I'm just, like, the producer now because Ron says Scott the producer. People are like, oh, you do coaching, too? Like, you do? You've done, you've done bodybuilding before? Uh, all of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK for additional savings. Get some high-quality proteins over there. Use our code THINK. And um, supplementsource.ca for Canadians – so I don't know when this episode is coming out. I'm gonna guess that it will be like right around the new year. Are either of you guys New Year's resolution people?
0: I know Nate is. He's probably gonna try to put out size
2: <laughs> this year. All, <laughs> I mean if you the, the thing with me is just like if you can't really get motivated like if you need that first of the year to get motivated just doesn't seem like it's gonna like stick you know what I mean I don't really see a lot of people that really it works for I mean not against it obviously but if you I'm sure there's a small percentage that it's worked for which is great you know if you can be that small percentage awesome but for me it's just like I'm not just gonna wake up one day or have a plan to be like okay well I'm gonna start this in three weeks I guess I'm just the type of person where like if I want to start it I'm just gonna do it and like maybe set some guidelines along or like some rules for myself to like okay follow this and You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, compliance and all that kind of stuff. Like, what can I get away with and this and that? And I guess I just never, honestly, even when I was younger, I never did the New Year's resolution type thing because I just didn't really believe in it. You know what I mean? So.
1: Yeah.
0: Mine are more focused around their non bodybuilding. It's like, I'm going to be nice this year.
1: You're going to try?
0: Yeah. I'm going to be. I'm not going to offend anyone, you know, things like that. There, it, it, I am kidding. I don't do New Year's resolutions. And I'm like, Nate, I don't knock them. I think that if the first of the year, you know, provides someone with a clean slate and, you know, they want a new start and a new beginning, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I also agree with Nate when I – when he says that it's a very small percentage of people, no matter if it has to do with the gym or bodybuilding or anything else, that a lot of those resolutions unfortunately don't last much past January. Uh, drinking is is one that's pretty oh, popular, yeah. but, but I think too that's because it, look, this is just my take, and I can say this on you know like now on the podcast because the people listening are more goal oriented with you know with eating and with bodybuilding and working out and things like that. But I can't tell my regular friends this because they'll get they'll get all all offended. But a lot of times, what it does is it justifies uh, a complete off the rails free for all yeah. during the up, holidays and I think, up until yeah,
1: the New Year. Yeah,
0: yeah and, and this is something that really does irritate me being in the industry and dealing with the regular person or the regular people over the holidays. Is I do tire <laughs> of hearing the layman tell me while they're drunk and they're stuffing their face with crap food and and, and they're breathing real heavy and everything else about how they're going to get into such great shape after it's a giant eye roll to me. And it's hard because they're friends. So I just sit there and I kind of nod and oh, that's great and patronize them and things like that. But as far as the resolutions, I've never been a resolution guy. And it's to me, it's a a big eye roll. But there are people that look, don't listen to me. If you've got a New Year's resolution, go with it. I'm, I'm full support. I'm the odd man
1: out. I'm the odd man out then. You have one, okay. If people um, have listened to the show for a year now, they probably heard me talk about this last year and the year before, because it's funny, everybody I podcast with always says what you guys are saying. I'm totally with you. I like to use the new year as a marker in time, where I can look back and reflect on the last year. And I'll set goals during the beginning of the year. And I don't make it like, okay, January 1st, I'm going to do this. But I'll say to myself, like, okay, I need to generate more revenue. Like one one year, two. I think it was two years ago. Now I said, okay, I'm gonna start a Patreon for the channel, and I'm gonna work on that, and I'm gonna work on getting it built up. I'm gonna try to get 200 bucks, you know, a month from Patreon. That's gonna be my goal, you know. And then, or or another time was that I wanted to get an advertiser. Another time was I wanted to work on getting more clients. What do I need to do? with my process to be able to work efficiently enough to handle more clients. That was one I did a number of years ago. So I'll set a bunch of those things up and, uh and it's kind of cool because it turns out Victoria does the same thing. So we'll have like a little powwow right at the beginning of the year. And we'll talk about goals that we set and how we, how did we reach them or not reach them? And then we'll talk about, Goals We want to set for the future for this next year. And then each year, it gives me just kind of a framework to look back and ask myself, like, okay, did I live up to that? Did I achieve these things? And and usually it is going to be bigger than what I can handle. Like, I'll, I'll kind of fill my plate with like five to seven things. And if I end up really nailing four of them and getting one of them started i'm happy with that like i i do i set up more than i know i can handle but i try to you know what i mean i try to do as much as i can really so but that's that's my take you know
2: i got a question for you scott yeah but i so have you ever done anything from like scratch though like so when i think of like that i'm thinking of like the new year's resolutioners as far as the gym goes because obviously we're just gym enthusiasts, right yeah so so i was gonna say that the only thing i will say is it seems a little bit easier because you're already like in motion on like the things that you're saying, like, okay, let's pick up 10 more clients. Okay, let's put out X amount of more podcasts. Okay, let's get the pay- the podcasts already going. You know what I mean? So it's a little bit easier, I think, that way. So, it, it is. Like some, of the- some
1: of them are branching off. Like, like um, last year, one of them was that we wanted to get Victoria... Um, her uh, her citizenship, basically. Well, not citizenship. She's a landed immigrant. But we wanted to get that sorted out. Like, so this is going to be one of our goals that so we're going to make all of that stuff come together. And one that I want to set up, and I'm not quite ready for it yet, is to get into real estate. So I think I'm going to have to push that off till next year financially it'll make more sense when both of us are working more to be able to do that but like i have done some of those things um one year was that i was going to quit my day job that was back in 2014 i was like i'm going to quit my day job and i'm going to go full time as a coach you know so it's like those were the things, and by the time the end of 2014 came, I was there. Like I made it work just by the skin of my teeth. Like it was almost the end of the year, but I I made it work. You know, another one was yes. get it get a new car. I'm gonna get a new car this year. You know, so I I set those things up, and then it it kind of puts me under the gun. I don't know about you guys, but having an outside catalyst, like if I put myself under pressure, like if I'm gonna get in contest shape. It helps to have a contest. You know what I mean. It helps to have a reason <laughs> right. to to get there. You know. So it, it just it's kind of a way for me to force myself to to do things and take action. I guess versus because i see the months ticking you know and i'm like i know what i promised myself i was going to try to do like i said i haven't always made all of them but i i'll get the vast majority of them so i i actually still have to. it's been so busy i still need to think i have some rough ideas but i have to think about what i want to do this year anyway i wanted to ask you guys that out the gate we do have a bunch of bodybuilding questions that you guys left for us i want to start out with just a fun one all right we're gonna basically leading into 2024 i gotta get used to saying that we're gonna try to have more fun on this show skip is that all right by you
0: is if That's my New Year's resolution, then. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right. So for both of you guys, well, all three of us, uh, what's an old dumbbell or barbell movement that you loved, but no one does anymore, that you'd like to see come back?
2: I already got mine, I think. Really? That quick? Yeah. I like, actually, the pullovers for chest, like Arnold used to do back in the day.
1: With a barbell? Yeah. Uh, dumbbell. Okay.
2: So like a pullover, right? Laying down, but you're doing it for your chest. Huh. Is that the first time you heard of that?
1: No, no, no. I just I just oh. don't think about doing it. I do them for back.
2: Oh, uh, I don't really either, but that really put just popped in my mind as soon as I read that. Like something from like back in the day that I still think it's effective. You know what I mean? So Yeah. It's funny
0: that you say that, though, because I was thinking the same thing, but I thought, no, nah, they're kind of making a little bit of a comeback. But, I mean some stuff does come back a little bit and I don't know what's going on out there. I think it's right. Cause I've been doing them here for the last, last five or six years. First, I think it's an absolutely highly underrated exercise, but I'm like, Scott, I'm more of a bat guy. And it's mm-hmm. sometimes I will hear like, um, I think it was Jay Cutler who said that he did them for chess too. And I'm like, damn, I want to see how he does them because the elbows yeah. and the, the mechanics of the elbows and stuff like that, you got to play with a little bit to try to move more. Cause it's packed. Arguably, pec minor, but with someone with real narrow clavicles like me, that exercise actually adds width to me. So it, it is. So that, I. That's funny that you say that because I was thinking, but then I kind of got away because I'm like, oh, maybe more people do that than I think. Um, barbell dumbbell. Look, I I think again narrow clavicle kind of guy. I think the um, standing push press is not used much anymore. I think a lot of the overhead pressing movements these days, people don't, personally, I think they get lazy. They don't want to wrestle dumbbells into place. You rarely see barbell. I, Nate is the exception because he's doing you know overhead barbell work, but he's kind of the exception to the rule. I, I don't know if you guys have seen, but the seated overhead press for a barbell in any gym usually either has dust on it or it's a place to sit your bag on the stand where the spotter stands you know i like to stretch
1: i like to hold the hand the bars and stretch you know my back out
0: exactly i lean on it yeah when i'm when i'm doing something for shoulders because i'm so narrow-shouldered that i can't stand i can't stand upright this is this you guys are gonna laugh at this but i can't stand upright during a shoulder workout and not rest my elbows on something because I'm so narrow-shouldered that my shoulders stay contracted. (laughs) I'm not kidding, they stay contracted. So I will get more blood in my shoulders if I rest my arms on something to allow more blood in between sets. And it's funny that you say, because usually there's a bar there that's empty all the time and I can put my, and here's an odd thing, this is my OCD. I won't rest my arms on something that's not symmetrical and even so it has to be a bar i know i I know it's kind of silly like you can't have one one arm up
1: here and one arm down there no 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 no
0: no no No, one is going to recover better than the other one one might grow it's like brushing my teeth i brush my teeth with both hands do you really yes i do but i'm ambidextrous too can you write with both hands I can I can if I have to I can actually but I will eat with both hands depending like if I'm tight at a table with someone it's no I don't even give it a second thought I just eat with I throw baseball I can throw a baseball football really yeah yeah it's I'm 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 different in that sense back when I was playing baseball I tore up my shoulder so bad catching yeah that um, I was going to be done and I couldn't so I taught my I'm like I've always thrown a football left handed huh. I bet I could throw a baseball. And I just picked it up. By the next year, I was starting at first base instead of behind the plate. And it was this big thing uh, in the city about, you know, oh, Ken Hill has done this. Because, you know, in normal life, everybody calls me Ken. (laughs)
1: you don't have skip on your jersey yet
0: no 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 skip then um but it 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 was something that was kind of a big deal and i just remember thinking this isn't a big deal i hate first base and i don't want to play baseball anymore that was my last year if i wasn't going to catch i wasn't going to play the point is, is i am pretty ambidextrous in that sense it isn't that i think one is necessarily it's not like my toothbrush weighs 90 pounds right it's just that repetitive motion every day that I just, I am a little OCD. I'm, a, I'm very much a perfectionist and things like that. And clearly you can tell by my physique after 40 years. I mean, I have grown so much. That Tremendously. You don't, yeah, I can't have the symmetry be thrown off that, at this point. You were that guy that was
2: supposed <laughs> to be the 93 Olympia, right? I, I yeah. On Olympia. It,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: So <clears throat> it's not a barbell or dumbbell movement, but after talking with you skip on it i'm kind of thinking like the behind the necks well you could say like the behind the neck press mm-hmm. behind the neck pull downs i'd like to see a behind the neck pull down come back a little bit i don't think it's the same movement you know i don't but i i i'm trying to stretch to find something you know what i mean and i i would say i would say that would be one um sissy squats are another one that you don't see a lot of that i think could be the really old beneficial. School
0: sissy squat I yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. like the
1: real legit sissy squat.
0: Yep. I could see that being
1: another one. You do. You've talked about it. I didn't realize you did them all the time. You're regularly. I
0: superset them. I don't want to say all the time, but pretty regularly I'll superset extensions with them. And and I came back to them um, more recently since the knee injury because I could actually do sissy squats and not have any discomfort shortly after the knee injury. But I could not do a leg extension with even 40 pounds. And you know how – I mean – the leg extension and sissy squats are highly rectus femoris, um, you know, movements. So I, as I started to gain strength back and I was balancing out my left to my right, I was like, the last thing I need is to have this imbalance from my medialis and my lateral, lateralis and not have much development, you know, down the middle of my quad with my rectus femoris. So yeah. I started pounding them and it started helping my knee and that development came up very, very quickly.
2: So I got to ask, I should probably know this question, but, or the answer, but what does the uh, behind the neck pull down? Actually, what do you guys like going for for muscle target on that?
0: It's primarily, I mean, it's, it's still lat, but I think it's, this is my opinion. I mean, I'm, you know, someone I'm sure is going to someone out there is going to argue everybody does but it's a teres major it, I, let's put it this way it's really just right around the scapula much more i think it's much less lat involvement than it is maybe not much less but it's less than pulling down to the front in yeah. in my opinion so picture, you.
2: right that's you what you i picture, was thinking too terry's yeah yeah
0: yeah, everything is right underneath the armpit. I would yeah. say it's very similar. It's not the same, but it's similar to where to a dumbbell pullover, where there isn't much lat involvement there because there's no downward, um, you know, retraction of the scapula. Really, by the time you get in, you're you're breaking that sticking point. It's all in that stretch, and you know, there's different mechanics too with it. I think you have to. Um, I'm a big fan with lat pulls whether it's front or back, to have your feet behind you so that you're not forcing yourself back. You're kind of letting, I don't want to say hinge, but, but you're, how do I explain this? Your lower back is kind of just a connection and your hips are kind of a connection. You're not using them for leverage like a lot of people would in a front lat pull or in a, in a, um, front chin up or something like that.
2: So would you say that takes out like that almost like leg activation from like when you're going heavy on like a lap pull down you know sure sure.
0: and that's why i think it'd be a great it's a great opener if anybody any of my clients ever asked me about it it's more of an opener it's more i don't want to say it's isolation because you're not isolating much with with the back but relative to other movements i consider it more of an isolation move so when i say opener my openers are usually more isolative and they're lower weight more focused on the contraction and and less momentum you're not really going to get much momentum in a lat pull to the back but I'll admit I have not done them in years and now my brain is like why haven't I so I'm going to go back and I'm going to open with those on the next back workout just to see how they feel alright
1: before we moved on i wanted to grab this picture boom Nate Spear as he stands right now, just outside of three hundred pounds. Is this the heaviest you've ever been?
2: Yeah, man. Uh that's back to back two ninety one mornings. So that's the heaviest I've ever been, man. And no I'm really so, legs are really come a long way, so I'm pretty happy about that too.
1: What do you attribute your leg development to? You've got sort of like I mean, part of it is going to be shape. The because you get a lot of yeah. people who say like, "Hey, how do I develop my outer sweep? Like, the, I want an outer sweep like Nate Spear. You know, the shape of it, and the shape is going to be part uh, genetics. But what would you attribute, especially that lower leg, that lower outer sweep development to?
2: Honestly, like deep range of motion, in my opinion, you know, and being able to go uh, knee over toe, not mm. necessarily exactly knee over toe but to have that mobility is mm-hmm. huge so for a guy obviously my weight and size you know that it's going to be hard and it's going to require work to keep up with so meaning like i get i go through like a stretch company they stretch me out once a week i get like deep tissue done pretty regularly i get grass on my calves for like the mobility and stuff like that hmm. um so like different things to keep up with that to transfer over into the training to transfer into muscle growth right so a lot of people are like oh i don't want to do this or that and they don't really see like the big picture but that's the big picture right there is being able to train properly and i just really just the past couple of years i've really just bought into full range of motion for me at least it works tremendously on all on all um body parts and legs i would say just higher rep like honestly we don't do a ton of volume but i would say what we do is like very intense very hard Um, and I would say just, like, a lot of, like, um, uh, intensifiers for legs has helped a lot. So, like, press pause, Widow makers on the leg press, um, you know, stuff that's really going to (laughs) hurt, you know, essentially. Mm -hmm. But I, I learned for legs, honestly, the biggest thing was that weight isn't everything. Because for me, I was, like, so caught up in, like, oh, progressive overload and this kind of thing. Chasing, like, sort of weight on legs. But honestly, like, my... I probably was my strongest, like, three years ago on legs, but now I'm training, like, a little lesser weight, but my legs have grown tremendously more uh quicker, obviously, like, or whatever, over those last three years than what they used to. The growth was much slower, or whatever, you know?
0: Yeah. Scott, I don't know if you've seen this. I asked both of you, Scott and Nate, but there's something over the years that I have noticed when it comes to leg development, and I... Look genetics and you know your genetic predisposition for legs is is it's there and there's no denying that but what i have seen is a pattern of people who are not lower quad dominant with their development i watch them squat And I already know what those squats are going to look like. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm glad that you guys see the same thing because there has, there is, I would say there has to be, there is, there's something to the training as well. Yes. There's a genetic component. There's no denying that. But when you see giant, and and I'm not going to mention any names out of respect because they're, they have crazy physiques, but I can think of uh, the one person coming off top of my head is just an example. There are many where, the the squats are more power lifting they're more um low bar they're forward it's a lot of posterior chain
1: yeah
0: and you get a lot of adductor and glute development that way and not as much quad development and you can see it in their quad to the point where this one specific person if you were to take out the adductor and the hip their quads are still good but they're not over the top it's just looking at the quad itself the lateralis and the medialis and the rectus femoris they're not crazy developed it's the addition of the adductor and the hips and the glutes that really add the size and to me just to me i don't think that's as much of a of a pleasing no look. no and yet they put up huge numbers and this is why i have said that i don't think Squats, and it's not just for me. So, if anybody's gonna, you know, any of the listeners are coming at me, well, you don't have the legs of so and so, and you know this pro or that pro. I agree with that, but what I've seen over the years is that difference in how those squats are done, and it's why I'm not a big proponent of squat. I think squats work. I think they're great, especially for power and strength, but I think they're highly overrated. Ooh, yeah,
2: well, John
1: Meadows called it turn up legs. He said, well, back in the oh, day, okay. we called them turn-up legs, guys who didn't squat very <laughs> deep.
2: Yep. Well, I haven't uh, squatted in, like, two, maybe three years, like, on a plan. So, if that tells you anything, Skip. Yeah, you know. yeah. there you go.
1: Yep. And and let's all remember, too, Nate, there was a time when you had to bring your legs up. Like, that would have been your weaker oh. link. And looking oh. at your pictures today, man, I, I wouldn't say, like, oh, yeah, you really struggled with legs, didn't you? <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Hey, I got one on a related note. How tall are you, by the way, Nate? Uh, 5'10". Okay, so not tall, but you're on the taller side. I had this question uh, because I figured we'd get this when Andrew was here being a taller guy. We can still all tackle it, though. Um, He said he's looking for a better way to engage quads. He's... 6'3, I do heels elevated, safety squat, uh, safety bar squats, uh, pendulum squats, leg press, and leg extensions. I feel them in the hamstrings and glutes. And the next day, my hams are sore um, up to two days, but uh, never any soreness in the quads nor measurable growth. Thanks. So he's attributing this to being a taller guy. Um, How can we help him get better? activation and growth out of his quads.
2: I definitely would like to see a video first because it already sounds mm-hmm. like how do you get any quad activation if you're going full range of motion on a pendulum? If it's heavy right. enough or press, like your quads are going to get activated. So that's obviously, that's very strange to me right off the bat. So maybe he's not going deep enough, but I would assume if he watches the show, he would know that, but maybe not. Um, and then I would say for me, I like to start off with extensions, and really get the blood in the quad first. <clears throat> and then I do like a rest pause and just get like an op- optimal pump. And like, so, so like I said before, don't think about necessarily like the weight. Maybe he's too caught up in like, oh, I got to move X amount of load. You know what I mean? So a lot of guys would be like, oh, that's going to fatigue my quads. I don't want to do that because I'm going to lose strength. But for me, my quads drew a lot better because I had a better connection by the time I got to the next movement, which would be like a hack squat or like a pendulum squat. And then that's when the work would really start. You know what I mean? But I mean, yeah. for me, full range of motion, higher rep ranges. Um, maybe he's like too concentrated on like the, on like the heels elevated. It sounds like you brought it up a few times, but maybe just get pushing more weight too. Because sometimes you get when you're starting out, you're so focused on oh all this like movement patterns that maybe yeah. he just needs to push more weight too. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think the heels elevated thing can be misunderstood. As an example, <clears throat> if the heels are elevated, but your foot position on a platform or, uh, and I say on a platform because it's easier to explain than during a squat, but um, it's, it, you touched on this earlier, Nate, the knee has to be in the area of the toes versus above the heel. And it examples if you do a Smith squat, this is why a lot of people will will screw up a Smith squat or can screw up a a Smith squat because you can't change. You're you're locked in once your foot position is set, much like you are in a leg press or anything else. But at least with a regular squat, you can do a couple reps to warm up. You can be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm not hitting. Yeah, I'm more into my hips. I'm bent over too much. Things like that, and especially with someone who's taller, because it's the it's a leverage issue. And so when we say, Well, I'm taller so I struggle with yes, they're taller, but they basically mean their leverage is different. They can have longer femurs, they can have a longer torso, it depends on where your height is actually coming from. Because if you take someone who's five, six and built to squat, and you take someone who's six foot built to squat, but you have the same ratio of torso length to femur length to that's then it wouldn't it wouldn't change. Your height wouldn't matter. So, when we talk about height, we're talking about different leverage components. So, I'm with you with the pendulum. I'm thinking right away his foot position is too high. I'd want to see the video because you can take a pendulum like an old Atlantis or a Bodymaster and you can be too high on the platform. I mean, it literally says on the platform, glutes up, uh, quads down, and and the old ones had arrows on them to kind of give you an idea for foot placement. So. My advice has always been this. Number one, you have to have good flexibility and range of motion through your calves and your soleus. Yeah. Because you have to be able to keep your feet as low on the platform as you can, whether it be a leg press, pendulum, or anything else, without, I say, without the heel coming off of the platform. That's kind of a blanket statement because you can come off. It's just a good cue. I guess, to where <clears throat> you can push from the ball of your feet, but you don't want to be rolling up on your toes because usually if that's the case, then you can put the D in a vulnerable position too. But you want to be as low as you can without that, that huge forward transfer. Let me ask you guys this. Have you ever done a, a hack squat or a pendulum and you get into your warmups and everything's good and you, you like your foot position, but when you start to get heavier, you're like, eh, I'm a little too low. And you make that adjustment up the platform just a <laughs> little bit, because there's too much going into your knees, it doesn't feel right. It's almost like yeah. there's more going on with the connection of the muscle to the bone than there is the actual muscle. And you make that half inch, three yeah. quarter inch ju- adjustment, and then you're like, ah, oh, that's the sweet spot right there. But you won't always know that while you're warming up until you start to get into those those heavier weights. So it's a difficult question to answer without seeing the video. I completely agree. But a lot yeah, of in fact,
1: you should history. send us one. You should yeah. send us one, you know, send uh, McNally diets at gmail.com. Send me a video and just remind me of the situation. We'll go over it. Like,
2: like how tall is he? Because sometimes if you have someone that's six, four, they might think six, three. Yeah. So they might think like this is going full range of motion for them because they have to move far, much more longer than us. Right. Yeah. So they might mm-hmm. think full range of motion. But like they're if they're not, if their ass isn't breaking the knee just a little bit then you in some full range of motion and you know yeah, take
0: it. the video from the side because yeah. the the best indicator is it's not just for depth. I mean depth obviously is is a big deal too, but uh, it's where that that ankle and the ball of your foot is in position or in relation to where the knee is.
1: All right. How about this one? I thought this was kind of a funny one. he uh, says currently in a cut and my wife has now complained that I'm no longer cuddly anymore and I'm just getting harder. Question is what's some of the funniest complaints that y'all have gotten from your significant other about bodybuilding or life related?
2: I mean, I would agree with always like the, the sex one, you know what I mean? After like six weeks out, it's not working, you know, and <laughs> Not, it's not happening. You know, like it was actually funny because she probably won't watch this, but my girl <laughs> over at like a week out, and she like really wanted it, right? And I was like, sorry. I mean, I I, yeah, I would sacrifice it for the team, but it's just not working. It's not
0: happening. <laughs> <laughs> take one, take one for the team. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I've been with my wife. <clears throat> Uh, you know, we've been married for 30 years and, and bodybuilding. The, the only thing I've smashed longer than my wife is bodybuilding, the weights in the gym. <laughs> she hates <laughs> that joke, but I still think it's funny. Um, so th- that's a, it, the reason I bring up the length of time is just because she knows what to expect. There are no surprises. I actually feel bad for the guys who uh, meet someone new. Male or female, and they're not completely on board with the bodybuilding. They don't understand it. I think it's a difficult thing for a lot of, you know, average – uh, average people, and, normal and, people, yeah, and, and they may see it even in the off season, but then they want to compete. Um, it could cause a, it could cause a lot of problems. So the answer to my, to the answer to that question is, I don't think there's anything off the top of my head that I can think has really been a, a surprise or or an issue. Um, but even you know, clients having to hide gear, they keep gear at their oh, friend's house, and I just yeah. think to myself, I can't imagine my wife not being on board or my spouse not being hundred percent on board um, and in situations like that I think you're asking I mean clearly you're asking for trouble because uh, and especially if kids are involved I mean if you if your spouse has things that are an absolute no-go and and yours I mean you might as well be you might as well be cheating to some degree. That's just not a good idea to, to have something, especially if they're vehemently opposed to it. Um, it's an accident. It's a bomb waiting to go off. Yeah.
1: I imagine some guy in Tron right now would be like, well, it basically should be cheating too. Skip said so.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> I can think of a couple. I uh, I remember dating a girl who had nothing to do with bodybuilding. And I remember getting ready for a show and I remember being about four weeks out and her saying, because, you know, when you're getting really lean and you don't have your shirt on, you walk past a mirror, you can't help but, like, see where you're at. Just give it one of these. You know what I mean? Hit that most muscular and you look stupid, right, to anybody else. But I remember her at one point, she's like, you're so vain, you know, like, like she really didn't get it. She's like, I didn't realize, like, you're so vain. And obviously things weren't going really well in the relationship either there's a lot there's a lot to that one that i'm not telling you guys about right now that whole story but we could do a whole podcast on it um but yeah i remember her i remember her saying that what's that what's that uh Nate?
2: Oh, I said that's my favorite stories.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we probably get a lot of views on that one. I remember that. And then also too if you're shaving all the time, like you're shaving your chest, that that one I think can be an issue because if you don't shave, then you become like velcro basically. And like oh, nobody yeah. wants to put their face on like basically sandpaper, you know what I mean? So there's there's that as well. So
2: I was going to say, a funny one is, like, when you date bodybuilder chicks or, like, you're a bodybuilder, like, the the gas issue becomes very, it happen, it, it's very quick, right? Like, okay, we're just going to get out of the way at, like, five days into this relationship, we're ripping ass in front of each other. <laughs> so soon, like, it doesn't matter. Like, let's not hide this. Where if you're dating, like, a normal chick, they're, like, scared to, like, take a shit in front of you, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. With bodybuilding, like you know everything about somebody else's like digestive system, who's constipated and when, you know, all that stuff. It's uh it's out the door really quick. All right, I'll just randomly grab the next one here. Actually, um <coughs> Okay. How about this one? So I asked him okay, how long he'd been competing. And has it always been in middleweight? But he didn't respond. He says, what's up, guys? Love the podcast. Uh, have a question for the next show. I'm currently a middleweight bodybuilder. He says, uh, my end goal is to compete super heavy and get into the 212. Basically, he's 5'6". Off-season weight is 195 to 205. Would you guys suggest continuing to compete as I build my way up to super heavyweight? Or would you hold off on competing until the mass has been built? Thanks. The pod gets me through my cardio every day. Thanks, Mario.
2: Well, if you were super heavyweight, you wouldn't end up being a 212 Pro. But, anyways, <laughs> yeah,
0: that's true. That's a good point. Yeah.
2: But, um, no, anyways, I was going to say for me personally, if, if for my advice, I would say is this guy should just maybe compete, like, every year and a half, maybe. For me, personally, that's a sweet spot for, like, making really good growth because the shows are going to help you grow, in my opinion, much greater than not competing. But I would say there's a happy medium as far as, like, a year to a year and a half off-season is, like, going to be your your perfect sweet spot for most people, like, a serious bodybuilder. Because at some point, you're just going to, like, not – you're going to be, like, spinning your wheels. Getting into prep and really lean is much different than, hey, doing a mini cut, right? Like, we all know that. Like, you do a real show, like comp, like like prep, you're going to get a much greater rebound than some mini cut, in my opinion. I've always seen that, at least. <clears throat> um, uh-huh. So, for me, I would say just, you know what I mean? Like, keep climbing up the ranks, keep climbing up the weight classes. Um, but also, like, be patient, you know what I mean? Like, it took me 10 years, right, to get where I'm at, like we were talking about on the, on the post the other day. Um, so, some of these guys may be in too much of a rush. Like, just take it class by class. Like, take it one little win by little win instead of getting like two grandiose in your head too. Yeah.
0: That is very good advice, in my opinion. And that's kind of why I kept my mouth shut so that you could get get your opinion in there first because you have climbed that ladder. <clears throat> you put a lot of size on that um the the vast majority of people aren't gonna put on. So I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it as nicely as I can. But if if he was, I don't know what this guy looks like. I don't know what his genetics are. I don't know how long he's been doing anything. But I'll say this: the large majority of people at five six, if they're in off season at two hundred pounds right now, they may never yeah. get stage ready as a super heavyweight. So yes. I mean, I started as a light heavy. I have mediocre genetics at best. Uh, I'm sorry, I started as a um, middleweight middle very yeah, low okay. middleweight low bottom of the line i probably really? should have gone into the lights. yeah oh wow yeah. how old
1: were you for that show
0: uh i was 19 or 20 i think okay. i was 19 and i was one gosh i was like a pound or two into the middleweights literally it so was like the, 67 um, or something yeah it was back for the kalamazoo and it was back for the um mid uh, michigan yeah yeah, oh, yeah yeah i did buckle, i did, and, I did yeah. that one Yep, uh, up in Flint, um, Michigan. I think that show still. I think they still. Yeah, I did that show. that show. Yeah. So my my point is this, and I'm not trying to say because I suck, he's going to suck, and everybody else is going to suck. I hope you grow like crazy, and and you get to the super heavies in four years. But if you just waited, there's a possibility that you may you may never get there. So I don't know how much time you have. I don't know how young you are I don't know how you're gonna grow my advice is exactly what needs was compete enjoy the journey Take the opportunity to grow coming off those cut phases. Don't uh, compete too um, I guess too frequently, but You could if you take the numbers out of it, and I'm not gonna talk you out of your goal of being a super heavyweight at five six but at five six if you have good shape and you have good muscularity and structure and you're in good condition uh and you're balanced you could i mean there are pros who are five six who are not super heavies right so there you don't have to get to that super heavy i appreciate the goal i'm like i said i'm 100 behind you um but i would probably advise with my old age and wisdom to pull back off of that number a little bit and just go by how you look and how you're progressing and enjoy the process. It's the, it's the journey. I know it sounds very, very cliche. Um, but you're gonna, you may be waiting a long time uh, to get to that super heavy division.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What was, what was the most you guys ever gained in between between two shows or like from one show to the next?
0: well I'm not going first Nate's going to go first and then I'm going to just act like I didn't hear it and we'll go on to the next question and I only say that because what I gained is not going to be anything I mean Nate Nate just kills this so I'm even curious what is your best
2: off or even show to show that's oh, what I mean show to show yeah oh so like show to show like going into an off season though like with no no off-season? no like
1: I stepped on stage I weighed in and I was this much and next time I competed after I put on weight I was this much
2: yeah okay so i got a good one for you so my first i bet you like, my first uh time on the sauce right yeah so i did, did it in my show natural i was uh 180 and i i knew i was going to take the whole like year like 18 months like i said um and then like so go into the next season or whatever like take a whole year off and that's when i got with andrew <clears throat> and from that time uh i had an 18 month long off season like i said and the next time I got on stage was my first NPC show, and that was at 2:15 with shredded glutes. So 180 to 2:15. Oh, good God! And how long? How long was that time frame? Uh, 18 months, so two years full, like with the show. Eighteen months. Yeah.
0: And, and and let's be let's be fair. I haven't seen the pictures, but I'll bet your condition was far superior at 215 than it was at 180. So those numbers, even as impressive as they are, are still misleading about the actual amount of muscle that you gained. It's not simple math.
1: Yeah. I went from, uh, so my first show, I was 177-ish, and I pushed down to get into 176 for middleweight. And then my second show, I was 172 bigger and way leaner like I uh, thought I was lean
2: different?
1: yeah it, it was a whole different look and then from there I took 18 months off and I went from 172 to it was either 193 or 194 and that was my biggest single gain that I had yeah. ever made but I also like was pushing the food really really hard uh, like harder than I should have what's that two hours.
2: Is every that hour pain? Oh, every hour?
1: Every hour. I do. I wake up, and I've told this story on the show before, but... I would eat in the morning and then I would have a shake with like 50 or 100 grams of maltodextrin an hour later. And then I would eat an hour after that. And then I'd eat another shake of like 50 or 100 grams of maltodextrin. And then I'd eat again. And then I'd eat McDonald's and two apple pies and two small fries. You know, two, I got two, it was my meal every time. I'd get two McDoubles, two small fries, and two apple pies. Eat that down and then I'd go to the gym. And then after, and, and then there was the intra workout shake and the insulin. And it was, it was like nuts. You hated, uh, stop.
2: Your, you hated your life. I, yeah. I
1: just no. you know what it was. I, I hated life. And like I was pissed and I yeah. was going to like show everyone is what it was. Yeah. You know I what I mean? That. All right. And somebody asked me a question about one of my preps. I'll see if I could find that because that would be a fun one to briefly mention. So I know Skip, you wanted to answer this one. I thought this was a fun question um, from Vinny. He says, can you still be gaining muscle if you're not getting stronger? or how much of a correlation is there between strength and muscle is it hundred percent correlated or can you gain muscle without getting stronger the reason I ask is because my physique has completely changed in the last three months for the better but none of my lifts have progressed and some of them even gone down most likely from implementing more volume
0: there's the answer now I'm not uh, let me let me be careful with that it's, I'm not saying the answer is black and white, and it's because of more volume. What I'm saying is, the last part of his question is the answer, and is my answer yeah. in the sense that strength, strength is a strength is a funny thing. You, you can if you're increasing strength within bodybuilding rep ranges, it's highly likely that you're growing. However, there are always exceptions. There's always caveats. As an example, there's a coordination component to someone just starting out with neural pathways and things that are being connected, the mind-muscle connection, things like that. But over time, I guess it's the best way to explain it. I don't think that everyone needs to get an extra rep or, or an extra 10 pounds every single workout that they go into if you can that's great but there's ways around that it, it it's it's not easy to manipulate but it can be manipulated. you can change rep tempo you can change the range of motion you can do it so subtly that you may not even see it visually um, you know if you were to as an example compare a video or if you were to you were able to actually watch it uh on the on the other end of the spectrum is if you're dieting and you're able to hold strength within bodybuilding rep ranges it's incredibly unlikely that you're losing muscle tissue but th- if we set that aside for just a second because this is the strength the part of the strength relationship that I don't like the strength re- how it's related to hypertrophy there are so many other variables that i think that sometimes we focus too much on the strength progression I think we do that because it's very, very black and white and it's easy to track and it's easy to assess. And I get that, but it's not infinite. It's finite. You're not going to, you know, I've been training for 40 years. If I was only basing my my growth on strength, then I would be dumbbell pressing with you know, small vehicles in each arm that are that, in each hand. That's that's not how it goes. You have uh, and the main one is time under tension. There's still more and there continues to be more studies. And you guys know I'm not a much of a study guy, but I love it when they back up what I say. So then I use them because it fits my narrative. But <laughs> but, it, but the time under tension thing, I think, is highly and grossly underrated so then you get into things and this is might be what this guy is doing he's staying at the same weight but he's finding a way to activate that muscle better or he's there the intensity is up the time under tension is up if you use the same weight for i won't even say for the same amount of reps there's just the same weight but there's more time under tension Mm -hmm. then i say that that is a huge factor for growth and the cool thing is is the vast majority, and this is an arbitrary number to make my point, but I put it at ninety or ninety-five percent of injuries, especially torn muscles or tendons, is due to the load just being too heavy. It's not intensity. Uh, it, it, arguably, it's not under time under tension. It could be mechanics if you have poor mechanics or poor form, sure, break form, or or. Uh, but a lot of times, these injuries aren't happening on the ninth, tenth. 12th rep they're happening on the second third fourth maybe the fifth rep they they happen or they tend to happen early in a set so you minimize the risk of injury too and I'm not telling everybody to get away from training heavy that's not what I'm saying all I'm saying is the focus I don't think needs to be as as focused on strength progression it's and the other thing is strength progression over time even if you're doing time under tension you're not focused on strength increases there should be this Very, you know, over time, the strength should climb. It just doesn't need to be linear and you don't have, or you shouldn't consider this wasn't a good workout because, oh man, you guys remember DC, I mean, DC training, you'd go in and you'd be like, ah, I just, I have to do, and you'd get anxious. You'd be like, I I know I did. I'd be anxious. I would be anxious before these workouts because I'm like, I gotta get another rep. And if you got another rep, it was successful and and it was just, well, check that box. I'm going to grow versus. That strength pro- progression over time, or over the course of the time that you were using that particular training method or protocol.
2: Well, I got something good for you, Skip. Practical application. So, last off season was actually my second best off season besides the one I just mentioned, and I put on ten pounds of tissue stage weight, and uh, that was the. I was like probably the less not the strongest i've ever been i was probably much stronger like i said even with all the other lifts two or three years ago um but my my rep qualities is so high now that like my connection is so much greater like i said more range of motion like everything you just listed is also progression right so pretty much like maybe he's missing out and like the whole like concentrate on strength thing um but for me it was just the quality of reps the range of motion um like just slowing stuff down, making sure you're, like, very connected to the muscle, which makes it much harder, so you're not going to use as big of a load, right? Right. But you'll ask Andrew, too, you know what I mean? Like, both of us are training together right now, and we're really just focused on the quality of reps, making the, the reps as hard as possible, getting the great range of motion, like, on the back, so, like, getting the elbows all the way back and not compromising, adding plates, you know what I mean? To minimize the elbow drive. You know what I mean? What you see a lot of yep. guys do, right? Yeah. Yep. So like, love stuff it. like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So love
0: it. Tell clients all the time make, when in doubt, don't just add more weight. Make, you get to 15 reps or 12 reps, whatever. Just make the set harder. Find right. a way to make it harder. But instead, we're focused. Well, it, it's almost like our mind is thinking, I have to cross the finish line. So we're lifting weights versus using weights. And I right. think that from a bodybuilding standpoint, it should be about using them versus just lifting them. It's powerlifting is from point A to point B. You get it from point A to point B and you don't have flags. It I mean, it doesn't matter how ugly it, it yeah. doesn't matter if you have an arch that is, you know, in your your back that is just silly and it decreases the range of motion by an inch and a half or two inches but in bodybuilding it does matter because then you're going to be moving more weights and you're not going our our job or our goal is not to see how much weight we can move it's hypertrophy it's to get as big as we can that's why i always laugh when people tell me in the gym well god i would have thought you were stronger than that i smile at things like that i don't i don't give a shit I want to look like I'm stronger. I don't care if I'm stronger. That shit hurts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Dusty and I just recently did um, an an episode together. It's probably going to come out before this, just considering how we have things lined up. Um, but we talked all about, the the, way, the reasons progressive overload doesn't work for some people. We talk about like, well, what do people think progressive overload is versus what it should be? You know, how, mm-hmm. how to really progress. I think that that's an aspect that people miss sometimes. And I think too that... If you're, you know, it's all about what you were doing. Like you said, Skip, he answered himself, you know, really. He said, you know, he started doing more volume, you know, just like the opposite has worked there. We had all done, as everybody calls it, the bro split, the one body part a day split. And then everybody unitedly in bodybuilding made a decision to say, we're going to push. Now we all do push pull legs. You know, we all do (laughs) high frequency, lower volume and it's worked tremendously, especially for the guys who were doing one body part a week, every week for the last decade. You know what I mean? Just like, Just like Menser's stuff did work for some people back in the day because everybody in Arnold's day was doing four hour workouts, you know, they were, and then coming back and doing two more. So they went back and they pulled their volume way back. And guess what? They grew so this guy was doing low volume and he went to high volume so he made he made progression but yeah. is that going to infinitely be his answer no but it was definitely the obviously the answer for right now you know what i mean right. what's going to work next is going to be the the that's the ongoing question we never know like we will we never. i shouldn't say we never know we never have it figured out in bodybuilding okay. that's the beautiful thing there's always going to be what do you do next you know
0: and it always changes, just like you said. Yep. And, that, and that's a good point. It could even be argued. I don't want <clears throat> to keep the topic going, but I do want to say this one last thing. I do think that sometimes we change, you change something, you change a stimulus, and it's a shock to the system. I mean, that's the whole point of what we're doing. We're creating a stimulus so the yeah. body has to adapt. But then the body adapts to that, and that is no longer a shock or something that the body hasn't seen. So, I often wonder if we focus too much on the actual training, like the, the, the physical aspect of training, instead of focusing more on the recovery. I, I, not that we don't talk about recovery and that it's not important. What I'm saying is that growth, there, just like coming back off, this guy here is doing higher volume now. It might be, a, it's a shock to the system in the sense that it's a new stimulus, he'll respond to it. When he doesn't respond to it, if he pulls back, then if he's not responding, is it a lack of stimulus that the body hasn't seen? Or is it a lack of recovery because he has then bogged down his system with too much volume and slowly over time he's not able to recover. So when he pulls back to go high intensity, he's going to be thinking, oh, it's the high intensity training, it's the stimulus that's creating growth, when maybe it's that your recovery is better because you have pulled back on the total amount of volume it could be a part it, of it for degree, sure right it, it, and that's why it's there's so many components to it that that's what fascinates me more about training now than it did 10 15 years ago
1: me too you know it really does me too skip and there was a time i thought i had it all figured out honestly with sure. training
0: and i think a lot of people do how many times do you get things people will contact you and be like wow well, i've got the training figured out i'm the training is right or sometimes they say the same thing with the diet and the, the reality is you might need someone to look over your shoulder because you might not have things figured out like you think you do. And I can say that after being in the sport for 40 years where 30 years ago, I don't know that I thought that I had it figured out, but I can go back 10 years ago and think of everything that I have learned and the extra experience that I have gained, not only with myself as I age, but with clients as well. And and it's just... The difference is night and day. And then I could go back 10 years before that. And I'm I'm telling you right now, 10 years in, when I was in my early 20s, I guarantee I thought I had it figured out. Yeah. And and it's laughable to me now. So when I hear those things, I have those transference issues. And I think uh, when someone else says, I'm like, oh, bro, how long have you been doing this? You don't have it figured out yet. You don't. I don't have it figured out. Right. People have been doing it for a long time, much longer than you don't have it figured out yet. All right, this one was posted in
1: the Facebook group. By the way, guys, if you're not part of the Think Big Facebook group and you like to do stuff on Facebook, which there's nothing really to do on Facebook anymore other than join a couple groups here and there, you can join our group. Um, This is uh, the topic of any podcast, Scott McNally. It would be good to hear if you could go through what supplements you recommend When on cycle and for general health, like krill oil, uh, vitamin D, B-complex, B12, etc. Let me ask you guys, um, when you start a new plan, and I think we have talked about this before, are there any foundational supplements that you say, hey, I would suggest that everybody does this?
2: Well, I like to see blood work first before I even start just sending them a list of stuff, you know what I mean, personally. Yeah, so nothing, kinda,
1: nothing. There's no there's no uh, vitamin or supplement of any type. And of course, we're not including protein powder here.
2: I mean, I like the vitamin D3 with the K2. That's solid. I um, need that one a, with every plant. Yeah, that's great, yeah. I mean, krill oil or fish oil, you know, quality fish oil. Make sure you're specific. There's a lot of yeah. different, you know, like let's make sure we get the quality one. Um, and then, uh, I mean, I would say even citrus bergamot is still good to just throw in there because it's going to help with the... Uh, Blood, blood sugar as well you know what i mean i think it's just all around good good supplement if someone also that's the thing too is like how much money do people have yeah. sometimes you'll send them a list right and they'll be like uh, you know and then you got to sort of dumb it down for them as well um but yeah i like those to start i mean
1: how about you skip a, any go-to's you
2: know i i i <laughs> <clears throat> Andrew and I differ
0: on this quite a bit. He is much bigger on the OTC supplements than I am. Uh, it sounds like Nate and I might have a little bit more in common on this than than Andrew and I do. Uh, and it's not right or wrong. It's just a different approach. I I tend to pull out things because I get more clients who come to me with a laundry list of things that they're taking. And they're pretty much throwing the kitchen sink at mm-hmm. it. <clears throat> and then I look what they're on. I look at blood work and their history of gear and and you know the, the health issues and, th- and things like that. And I, I just think, man, you're just or lack
1: of health issues. You yeah, mean? yeah. And, and, which is
0: a better way to put it because yeah. you, the, the vast majority of the time. And so my first question is, uh, I'm not saying this right, or wrong, but why are you taking? Can you justify? each one of these compounds yeah and it's usually i don't want to have to do that well if you can't justify why you're taking them then i don't know if it's a good idea there are basics uh and and citrus berg is a good one um i mean there are a lot of good ones uh d is a good one uh but you know even d i mean i don't supplement d i understand that i'm in the sun more than most people are but there are other people like me who may be in the sun, and they don't need no one's in this.
1: No one's in the sun. Like you skip, let's yeah, get that, that uh, straight. Let's get that, let's get that straight.
0: A few, there might be one or two, but, um, you know, uh, ubiquinol, uh, things like that. But I don't know that if you're 25, you need anything of what someone who is 45 or 50 or my age, uh, might need not that they're bad. But I still come at OTC supplements with a lot of the same perspective that I come at with other things. If you don't need it, then why take it? Uh, astrologus is is great. It could be argued that, okay, yeah, you know what? We'll just throw, in that, throw that in there and we'll try to, you know, we'll just kind of benefit. Or Tudka, you know, for uh, liver. But if you don't have liver issues and you don't have elevated enzymes and you respond relatively well to orals, maybe take it while you're on as a proactive. I don't think there's much of any reason to take turmeric if you're not if you don't have liver enzyme issues and you're you're not on orals and you're not on a lot of gear. I don't like proactive supplement use. I don't like um trying to think as far as and I'm not trying to go down the gear but I'm gear lane or the gear rabbit hole but you know, you, I take this, so I have to take this. Some people will say, well, I'm on cycle, so I have to take telmosart. And well, if you don't know, just because it's a trend of what people are doing right now, if you don't yes. know that you need it, then there's no sense taking that. I understand it's not OTC, but it's just yet another example. And I think, yeah. Yeah, and I think what happens is <clears throat> they, um, and TRT is the same way. Well, if you're on TRT, you know, the TRT doc prescribed me, you know, Arimidex. Well- you you could end up with your sex drive and your estrogen levels in the crapper because you may not need to kill an ant with a grenade because you're only on TRT, so let's find out what you need. My point is that uh, I think the OTC use and the laundry list of things stems from the same ideology that they have about gear. Or that gear is going to be, I do get people who are, Either TRT or very very low cycle guys, and they have that laundry list too. Mm-hmm. So I I don't have a, a it's a long version, but I don't have this list of things that I give and I say, hey, this is a basic list. I'm not knocking it, but I don't do that. I usually have to pull back and I try to have them on no more OTC supplements than I think that they need. Um, uh, just like gear, to be honest yeah. with you, it's, I look at it very very similarly.
1: I agree with you guys both on you know a needed basis. Like, let's look at your labs for for most stuff. I used to do fiber. I used to have fiber written into every plan that I sent out, and then I stopped doing that. But now, I, and and I find that most people are okay if they don't have additional like uh, supplemental fiber and psyllium husk. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of getting back to adding it in more often than I used to now, but I think it's just people. I, anyway, there's that, in, uh, but the ones I do are uh, vitamin D at 5,000 units at least. And then I like I do like to see labs on that too, but I know that, like we, especially if you're on TRT or gear, that vitamin D is going to be something that does deplete. Maybe if you are in the sun, and I'll ask people like, hey, where do you live? They're like, I'm in the Midwest. I'm like, okay, you're like me, so there's no sun here at all this time of year definitely mm-hmm. get on vitamin D 5,000 yeah. units. I would consider that to be like the base dose and definitely take that with K2. And I usually just tell people get the now foods cause now foods makes one with them combined. And they're a good company. It's reasonable priced and a good, like you said, the way you put it Nate, a, good quality fish oil. I usually tell people yeah. like, don't just get fish oil from the grocery store. You know, yeah, and that's yeah. it. That's all I have. Those are like the only things that are like my, these are the go-to no matter usually. who you are.
2: I do usually write in, like, glutamine with, like, a tablespoon of organic lemon juice in the morning. but Yeah. But, like, not. I try to keep, like, pretty much I agree with what Skip said, you know what I mean? Like, because you'll have people that will come, they're not even really that, eating that much food, and they have, like, all these, like, digestive enzymes they're taking from, like, the previous whatever. And I'm sort mm-hmm. of like, well, why don't we just get your digest- digestion on track naturally with, like, the foods? Like, let's play with some food, et cetera. Yeah. You don't have to take these, you know what I mean? Like, things like that, I guess, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I see the same thing with people who literally have a list, like a typed list, and it's like that long of, you know, 20 different things. And some of them are redundant. And there's, like, like you said, it's like, well, have you ever had issues with your liver? It's like, no. But they're on, you know, like NAC and Tutca and milk thistle Mm -hmm. and this and this. And then they take this Revive product, which that's a whole other can of worms. I won't get into about Revive, but. Um. See what else we've got here. I think we might have had one more. I think I did have that one I mentioned. Um. Did we do this one yet? Um, I mean, my oh. makeup
0: lady isn't here today, so I'm just making sure. That
1: I'm not- Skip, you ever have a client that had AFib? Basically, he's asking. You know, if if as a coach, uh, somebody were to be dealing with AFib, how what, what would you do as a, What would you say as a coach?
0: Uh, first, I'd be um, nervous. Yeah, and I would ask them to constantly talk to their doctor and tell me what their doctor says. Honestly, you guys, Nate might not know this, but Scott, you know this. I get very anxious when that. Line when I get my toe up to the line of where trainer, online trainer, and prep guy starts to cross over into uh, yeah. a different scope of practice that I am that is out of my wheelhouse. And it's not that I don't want to help, and it's not that I might not have something to add that will help, but I just am not terribly comfortable with that. I will say as far as AFib, I got a um, new Sense 2 Fitbit, and I was very surprised that there is an AFib – technology is awesome. Uh, there's an AFib monitor on my yep. Sense 2, and I was a little anxious when I turned it on. I'm like, I don't want any notification that I might have. Some kind of heart problem here. I don't want this to like all of a sudden. There's going to be a red X on there, or the Grim Reaper comes up on my sense too. And I'm like, I got to tell my wife I've only got six minutes. We really need to have sex, Actually, I probably should use that. <laughs> I think. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the watch, babe. As far as as far as knowing anything about it's not something I'm not comfortable with. That and I'm really of no help, and I I don't even want to respond to it other than to say. Do your due diligence, research it, it's your health, talk to your doctor, constantly communicate with your doctor and from there i mean i've had a couple clients on pacemakers that makes me very nervous yeah uh, they have basically just agreed that this is there because i've told them i'm not giving you medical advice i am just training you you have to accept and know and i assume that you have a background and you have done your due diligence you know what you can get away with your doctor has cleared this because outside of that i don't want to tell you to do anything that could potentially hurt you I have a conscience. I don't want to think that I had anything to do if something were to happen to them.
1: Well, that, I knew what you were going to say, Skip. So that's why I said, hey, Skip, what would you say? I wanted to turn it <laughs> right to you. And I'll, I'll go out on a limb even further and say, I think that there are some coaches today that are basically impersonating doctors no to, as, as a sales pitch mm-hmm. to make them look smart because I'm willing to share this information with you that these other coaches don't know. Mm -hmm. And then if you run into these people and they aren't doctors, like we're talking, if this person is not a medical doctor and they are giving you medical advice, then I would definitely think twice. I don't care what company they own. I don't care Mm -hmm. what uh, supplements they're connected to. Like for real, be really careful because at the end of the day, we're here to help you get into bodybuilding shape. We're here to help you grow muscle. You know, and that is our wheelhouse. You know, beyond yeah. that, if somebody is giving you medical advice and they're not a doctor, look at that. In my opinion, look at that as a red flag. Really,
0: yeah. And it can be labeled very, very stealthy. Uh, I do not like functional health. I don't like it. Yeah. And and I I'm not saying it's bad, and I'm not saying the people who uh, are talking about it aren't knowledgeable and aren't. Um, they don't have good ideas and and that they're just throwing things out and guessing. I'm not saying that. Whether they are or not is for anybody else to, to figure out. But I will tell you what they're not. They're not medical professionals. So the argument could be, well, it's functional health. It's a huge gray area that has been created with that label. Maybe not with the intent to mislead or deceive, but I think it's borderline deceptive. And I don't like it call yourself a prep you're just a you're a prep guy you're trying to essentially you're trying to make someone huger yeah. or rippeder and outside of that if you're focusing on health it should be general health it should be the idea and this is I don't want to say it should be the way that I approach it but I know that I'm not stepping over any lines and I'm not getting into a gray area when it comes to the health component eating yeah. better losing body fat exercising by doing cardio and training you're going to get healthier just because it's a side effect in a sense telling you to take you know vitamin d or anything else if you have a uh you know a deficiency or something like that great as soon as you get into things that are not common in their health concern i think that right there is when you're outside of your wheelhouse unless you're a medical professional
1: All right. I got one more question for you guys, and I I can't find the question. Somebody asked, they wanted to hear my story of my super long contest prep, but I am going to turn it into a question for the three of us. What was the longest contest prep you did?
0: I did one for a year, but Nate probably. I mean, he,
1: Nate you know, probably gets in shape in six months or in four months <laughs> and he's glute pants, peeled glutes, and you know, that's it.
2: And back and to off was season. Only
0: because i I. Did not do well at a Colorado State. Anybody from Colorado knows Colorado State is in roughly is in July, and the Rockies is in October and November. At that time, it was early November. So I ended up prepping for pretty much 11 months that year because for no other reason than I could not leave the Colorado State um, condition. Uh, I thought I was going to be a heavy that year. And, well, and I was a heavy that year. <laughs> at the Colorado? It was yeah, it was the biggest and the fullest I had been, but I wasn't in the condition that I was known to be in and that I needed to be in. Uh, it wasn't horrible, it wasn't horrendous, but it was not there. So I pushed on, which only made it worse. Uh, oh, really? It didn't make it better, let's put it that way. I came came away from an 11-month prep, 11 and a half, something like that, uh, pretty much a year. Very... Um, Disappointed, and said that I would not make that mistake again. No kidding. Yeah. How about
2: you, Nate? Uh, well, sort of similar ending for me. <laughs> uh, so maybe those really long preps, you know. Um, so actually, <laughs> Andrew will appreciate this one. This was our first season together. So, 2016, we started out doing the Connecticut show, which was in the first week of April, and then we went on and did two other regional shows, so the Vermont and the Cutler. We've won the overall at all three of those. And then we won a Junior USA's, which was in uh, May. And we won the heavyweights there. And then we were like, we weren't really, we weren't really thinking about doing nationals or pro qualifier before that. But then when we won my class at Junior USA's, it sort of got the our brains thinking like, hey, maybe we should try this out, whatever we had a really good run we didn't really know how good we were like to, in the beginning so that's why we're doing those shows so, like test the waters this is my first time in nbc you know what i mean so i didn't really know what to expect and then so we thought we'd take a stab at nationals and that was in uh november like the last week in november so that was yeah so like pretty much like prep started in maybe december and then we ended in november so about 11 months maybe two Okay. And uh, but I got my ass kicked at nationals, so uh, that was where uh, Skip. I was sort of saying it ended up sort of not. I was I ended up very disappointed because I got last call outs so like uh, I wasn't expecting. It. So that's why I had another good story too. Sometimes when I tell guys when they're thinking about getting ready for nationals, I tell them, "Hey, I won three overalls and my class of junior states, and I still got my butt whooped at nationals." It's just a different uh, level. It's a big jump. So some you know it's a good message for you.
1: Actually I just pulled this video clip up. I don't have the full video, I just have my end of things, but skip, we actually recorded podcasts through that year. I don't know if you know this, but the year I did and uh, uh, it was also an 11 month prep, I was podcasting all through it. Here's a, here's a screen cap of what I looked like and this wasn't all the way in. I, I let's see. So this was August. so I still dieted till till November. But here, you guys won't even recognize me here. (laughs) (laughs) Who Yeah, I know. It doesn't even look like me, does it? That's great. Yeah, but by the time November was there, I was peeled. But you know what my issue was, is I planned to do a show and I was dieting myself. And I thought to myself, you know, I was like, so there was this show in July. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm not quite ready yet but I think I'm good enough to jump in. I'd never jumped into anything before. I'd always, it, I've always put my eggs into one basket and then just made everything work till I got there. And now I thought to myself, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm going to just do the thing people do where you just like jump into a show and it's kind of cool and laid back. And then I'll just keep competing after that. You know, biggest mistake I made because I wasn't lean. I wasn't as lean as I want to be. And yeah. after I did that show, I instantly recognized that I put my name on that. You know what I'm yes. saying? I put my name on that. And and everybody in the audience didn't know that I was just like being cool and jumping in. Like, I made a huge mistake. That was probably the biggest mistake I made competitive like as far as picking shows goes. I should have waited. I should have waited until I was in actually like the condition that I was proud of, and I ended up taking second out of three in light heavy. So, and it wasn't like honestly. And this is no offense to the other guys that were in that class. I should have walked through that class. I should have walked through it. But I, it, I you know, I gave it away. And I even remember too. Because I was coaching more people locally at the time and I knew a couple of the judges and one of the judges, he was like, you know, I, I talked to the head judge. I was like, hey, make sure you give him a good look. You know, he he's a, he's a guy who's really known around here. Like he, he really tried to do every favor they could. You know what I mean? But there was nothing to give me because I wasn't there yet. So after that, then I hired Shelby. I heard Shelby uh, like the beginning of August and we went to the beginning of September. And we just freaking burned the house down, and that's all it took me to get into shape. And then, and then uh, I did. That's when I went out to Los Angeles and I competed out there just for fun. It was like a vacation, you know, competing in LA. I stayed on. I stayed at an Airbnb uh, in Venice. Went to Gold's, met a bunch of friends and stuff. Got to train my, do my depletion workouts there and stuff. So it was a great trip. And I had a really good time, and it was fun to do a show in LA. And then I came back, and I did another one after. Now that I was in shape, then I took the reins back, and I had my absolute perfect peak for the November right. show, like the best peak I ever had. Like I, freaking, because I I took what we did, what I do with Shelby. He did the best he could with me, given a month, yeah. right? And uh, and and then from there, I was like, okay, but if I were to do that again, I might do it a little bit different. So I, you know, tweaked that yeah. a little bit, and then it was even better. So. Yeah, it was good, though. It was good, though. They asked, though, like, what I did with the gear. I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't come off anything that whole time. Like, that was an 11-month cycle is really what it came down to. So was that healthy? No, but I'm just being honest with you guys what I did, you know. Mm -hmm. I think that I pulled the orals back out after that first show, and I didn't put them back in until I was closing in on the second show. And then I pulled them back out again after September and then put them back in, you know, before – uh, you know, before the November show, four weeks out, um, I can't remember if I ran Halo, but if I would have, it would have been just like the last week in the trend. Well, the trend was in there for pretty much that whole time. So, oh wow, not not from not from February, but from like probably Ju- July ish, June ish, June, June through no- yeah, probably June, maybe. Yeah, maybe even May. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was in maybe March. March. Jew- March 1st. January two, <laughs> March
0: 1st. <Yeah. laughs>
1: or, or the middle of April.
0: Like, you know, it's all a blur. In there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, but yeah, once I went on the train, I stayed on the train all the way through. So, and I, I, st- I did ramp it up toward the end. But yeah.
2: I will say Andrew's really good about that. So as far as like, we've done a lot of long stretches and every time it's, I would say if it's over, like, 8 to 10 weeks, we'll usually, like, pull out, like, the orals and pull out the trend and then start that back up around, like, week 5 or 4, you know what I mean, somewhere along that lines. So, Andrew's always really good about sort of, like, giving us breaks and stuff like that. Where I know some people, would definitely, even with coaches, still pass right through, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't do that again, you know, but it was it was a great year. Honestly, I could have kept dieting too. Like I, I was in a groove. You know, it was yeah. like to me it was just like I was there and it was I didn't want to let it go at that point. You know, it's like you kinda of get that feeling like, Man, I've been doing this for so long, now I don't wanna let this go. I'm just gonna keep riding this out. So
0: yeah. being able to do it psychologically versus it working physically.
1: Right, two, two different, different things. <laughs> yeah, I knew it was time physically. Yeah. yeah, I knew it was time physically. So anyway, that's all we got, guys. That's all we got for the show.
0: Skip. Very good. <laughs> so,
1: Skip, are you uh, you back on the melatonin? Or mel- excuse me, melatonin.
0: No, that's why I look so white right now. Yeah. Oh wait, maybe it's just these really bright lights. I don't know. Yeah. No, I don't uh, I don't run it as often as I or as I don't want to say as much because I never really ran high doses uh, before. But I you know I used to stay on it a lot longer. I take breaks now, so yeah. I just still t- stay darker than everybody else. I'm in Florida. If I go out to the pool for an hour, hour and a half, I come inside looking like a charcoal briquette. So I still have color, but I only tan a couple times a week, three times a week usually, two or three.
1: Do you so. think that if you ever stopped the tanning and melanin that your skin would ever go back to what it once was before all oh, yeah. that?
0: Yeah. yeah, it has. Yeah, it, it has. It, sometimes when I take breaks, I get tired of going to the tanner sometimes. But I just, I have this routine. They always ask me about it at the tanner. People who are there are like, well, I'm going to go in the booth you went in. And I'm, thinking, I'm like, well, I'm sorry, but it's not going to work very well for you. <laughs> yeah. you know, people do that. They, come, you know, they wanted to go at the high level. If there's five levels, they want to be in the fifth level. And I'm like... I, they're like, oh, you're going into the third level. Yeah. They don't understand really how to- it, it all works. You need to coach people <laughs> on tanning. Yeah. Well, I told you the TRT uh, bodybuilding I just drew a blank, but the DVD, I I know when I say DVD, the young kids are like, DVD, what are you talking about? But that was what it was referred to then because it was an online DVD because DVDs were the thing. So it's been around that long, but people have searched that. And come across that on uh, Google for so long that have nothing to do with the bodybuilding industry. I still get random emails from, you know, twenty-two year old girls who are going on spring break and they want to ask a question about something. That's crazy. You said this in the video, and I'm just curious about this, and or they'll ask me where to get it. I'm like, I don't. I'm not doing that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you got to get it yourself. Nice try. Oh, I got to give a shout out to Jeff Tabor too. He sent me the shirt. How do I know? How? What's
0: that name? Longtime listener of the show.
1: Oh, like, okay. I was he's been, promote, a,
0: he's I was been around forever. No. Is there a Tabor Center or something? in? De- Thank you, Jeff. Everybody. In Detroit? Uh,
2: yeah. Not that I've the heard name. of.
1: Okay. Yeah, not no that problem. I've heard of. No. All right. We, I got
2: to eat one. Yep. Shrink now. Oh. Well, we yeah. can't <laughs> let that happen. We yeah. can't
1: yeah. let that happen. We appreciate everybody uh, tuning in. Uh, uh, Nate, what's the best way to reach out to you for coaching?
2: Uh, just that, uh, just on Instagram, Nate Spear. All right, uh, and then I have a coaching page linked up on that page, so it's perfect. Easy to find. I'll
1: yeah. link uh, your regular Instagram. I'll link that up on the uh, description, and oh, of course, go to bodyberry.com. You can say something else.
2: I do have a. I do. I am doing pretty well on my YouTube right now too. If you check oh. that out, hell I'm yeah. Out. So it's a uh, nasty Nate Spear. On
1: YouTube I'll link that below too and definitely check it out because you've got you've invested into that you've got a good video guy the quality is awesome there's a lot to learn over there you might even get a chance to see Andrew here and there he might show up in some training right (laughs) <laughs> and uh, you got some good stuff go to uh, teamskip.com you can reach out to skip there for coaching McNally diets at gmail.com I'd be happy to help you out and of course go to truenutrition.com use our code THINK over there for high quality third party tested supplement supplementsource.ca for Canadians and thank you to everybody from Patreon and last but not least we've got merchandise so I'll link the merchandise below we've got a bunch of shirts think big shirts so uh, you know have some fun with them we've got the loose fit shirts We've got the 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 fitted uh, athletic cut for guys that don't have a ton of muscle but want to look like they do. No, they're good. They're all good, and they're all good, like thin material, good stuff. All right, guys, for another episode of Blood, Sweat & Gear, we'll see you soon.